And let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 today. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Father, we thank you that your word gives us direction, that your word is our solid foundation. It is our correct compass for right and wrong. It is our sure direction when our spirits are in a time of storm. So today, Father, we pray that your spirit would strengthen us, guide us, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think about our church, I hope all of us desire for it to be a, a healthy church. I've been around uh, some churches that had uh, struggles. A number of years ago, I was uh, called to, uh, to, uh, to come help at a church that was going through some turmoil. They had a fairly new pastor, and they were having trouble adjusting to the new pastor and the pastor adjusting to them. And I, I remember going in, and the, and the first thing that happened is when I pulled up into the parking lot, it said Revival with Mark Johnson. <laughs> and I came in, I said, why, why did you put that out there? This was supposed to be a meeting of the church leaders and talk about church health. And they, he said, well, that was the only way I could get him to come. I said, well, that's, that's deceitful, so we, can, we can't start there. We've got to get up and say, that's not what's going on here. We're talking about church health. And as I talked with him, uh, he came as a fairly young guy, and he came around to this deal. This church just doesn't want to worship. I'm trying to lead them in worship, and they don't want to worship. And when that came here, they told me they were a worshiping church. And so later, I'm meeting with some of the, the, the board members and the elders, leaders of the church, and I said to them, I said, What's, you know, what do you see the issue being? And they said, well, we're a worshiping church, and he doesn't like to worship. And so I knew we had some communication problem. And what it, what it really boiled down to was a style. He was bringing a style of worship, uh, of musical worship, into the congregation that they didn't want. And they wanted a style of worship, an expression of worship that he wasn't used to. And this, term, this caused turmoil and frustration in the church, and frankly, eventually, he left the church over that issue. Uh, so churches can be healthy or unhealthy over a lot of things. They can be healthy or unhealthy over doctrine. Uh, a church that strays from biblical doctrine, no matter what size the congregation is, no matter how much peace there may be in the congregation, no matter how many good things they may be doing, if their doctrine is false, if their doctrine isn't biblically sound, it's not a healthy church. It's a church built on an unsure foundation. So our doctrine has to be right. Our relationship has to be right. The people of influence in that church have to have a desire uh, for right things. So that there has to be unified biblical faith in a church. That is key to a healthy church. Not just unified faith, but because um, many can be unified about the wrong things, but unified biblical faith. Unified understanding of how things work. My kids growing up, they knew 
how things work. I, I remember being in the car with, uh, with my kids. My, my two younger ones were, uh, were, were there, and the two older, you know, my two, two older girls, two of the older girls were there. Tina wasn't there, but the other two girls were. The two younger ones were there. Lydia had not come to live with us yet. And uh, one of the kids said something to the effect of, can we do this thing, go to this place today? We were on a vacation or something, so they were all in the van together. And I said, we'll see. And the two older ones looked back and said, that means no. <laughs> they had a unified understanding of what we'll see means. They, they got it. They understood it. Uh, so my kids have to have that. Now, as, a, as, a, as we talk about a church being a body, uh, which is how, the, how the, the Scripture describes it, one of the ways the Scripture describes the church, it's different than a human body. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, a lot of great things in that metaphor that help us understand how we are to be connected and how we are to love each other and how we are to serve each other and how our giftings work with each other. But here's where the major difference is. We don't attach unhealthy new parts to our physical body for the sake of them being healed and made healthy by the antibodies in our body. But that is continually being done in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, we welcome new spiritually unhealthy members into the body of Christ to join with us in immaturity and confusion with maybe sinful habits still in their life, with things going on in their life that aren't good, and we welcome them into the body of Christ. We receive them with joy. Now, for the body of Christ to be able to do that, the core must remain healthy. The membership, the, the people committed to that body of believers, and I believe that's one of the signs uh, of a healthy church is the committed core of believers that lead that church being healthy in their faith so that whatever comes in from the outside doesn't impact and change the values of that church, but that that church impacts and changes and brings health to whatever is coming in to that body of believers that we walk in this kind of health. And of course, that starts off with this call for every person, and I would ask you, have you done this, to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and to ask Jesus to be your Savior. And then health can begin to flow through that body. Now, there are three common faith areas, three areas of belief, where the core of that church has to remain solid and unified. Here's the first one. A healthy church acts on God's promises. There are, esti there are estimated 3,000 promises that God gives us in the Bible. And a healthy church sees the world sees how things work, 
not through the circumstances of the moment or the pressure of the day, but the, the healthy church sees the world and how it works through the promises of God. When as a child, your parents would uh, maybe take you someplace and you're going to go shopping, and uh, maybe they would say something like this to you, or maybe you said this to your kids. Now listen, if we go in here and we do this and you're good, when we leave, I'll get you a treat. Have you ever said that to your kids? If you're good, I'm going to get you a treat before we leave. Now, some kids believe that promise and really try to bring control of themselves because they want the treat at the end. Some kids don't believe the promise. They don't believe that mom and dad are good for the promise. And they just don't care what's going to happen because they don't believe the promise. And some kids know that the condition of the promise doesn't mean anything. They're getting a treat no matter how they act. The core of a healthy church believe that believes that God keeps his promises. He keeps his promise. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy or 2 Peter 1 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. There's a lot in that verse. By which he has granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. We can boil this down to God saying to us, listen, if you behave yourself, here's what I'm going to do for you. And that he's going to keep his promises. Now, all promises have conditions. And the purpose of the, but the purpose of the promise is to move us, just like the purpose of that promise with that child is, if you behave, you're going to get a treat at the end of the day. We, the purpose of that promise is to get them to do what? Behave, to do what they're supposed to do, not to be a problem. The purpose of God's promise is to get us to participate in the divine nature. We have this sin nature in all of us that draws us, selfishness that draws us. But as we come to Christ, he wants us to grow in his nature or in the divine nature to set the selfish nature, the sin nature aside. This is the purpose of the promise to develop the divine, the divine nature. Now, promises then become the lead for our actions. They impact how we see the events of our lives and how we respond to the events in, in our lives. Have I met the condition of the promise? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess to you. 
yesterday I was in here, I was, I was praying yesterday, and I was going down this back hall praying yesterday, and I was uh, telling the Lord, Lord, I trust you, I believe you, uh, but here is something where I'm not seeing, I've not seen yet the fulfillment of the promise. The fulfillment of the promise. And there, there are times you walk through that time where you're, you're doing all the right things, you're doing anything, but the fulfillment of the promise hasn't come yet. The fulfillment of that promise comes when God says it's going to come. It's like when you tell your kid, if you're good, when we leave, I'll stop and get you a treat or I'll get you a treat. It, well, it doesn't come halfway through the trip. It comes at when you're getting ready to leave. And so there's times when you're waiting. And then there's times when, I tell you, I'm walking down this back hall, and God just showed me in a, in a, in a split second, you're not meeting the conditions of the promise. And it just stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, wow. And the Lord began to show me. You need to do this. And this, this is the condition to the promise. Listen, we can't expect God to give us the things he promises if we don't meet the conditions of the promise. Mom and dad, if you don't train your child up, if you don't keep your child focused on spiritual and scriptural things, you can't expect to reap the promises. I've got I've to look at these things in my life and say, what are these conditions that I've, I've got to meet because what, what's God, God just try, God's trying to get me to free myself from the sin nature and to participate in the divine nature. And he does that by attaching these promises to us where we will reap the fullness of the, he's, he's showing us, you're going to reap the fullness of my nature and my benefits when you follow my nature and my, and my promises. And that's what he calls us to do. A healthy church acts on the promises. We stand on those promises. This old song we used to sing when I was a kid growing up, Standing on the Promise. How many remember that song, Standing on the Promises? Here's what the second verse says. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. That is the call of the believer. That is the call of the church, is for us to, in the, when, even when the storms of doubt are all around us, and fear would attach itself to us, that we say, nope, I'm going to stand on the living Word of God because the living Word of God will prevail. Faith in Jesus promises, and Jesus' promises are where we, listen, learn how to act, how we learn how to act. And at the core of every church has to be this growing people who, be, who begin to adjust their life to say, I am going to trust the promises of God. Now, here are two other beliefs a healthy person in church must stand on. In Romans 10, it says this, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. 
Because if we confess, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For as there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here are two fundamental beliefs of faith that we have to walk in and a healthy church has to be unified in. The first one is this. A healthy church is unified on Jesus as Lord. At the core of a healthy church must be faith in Jesus being Lord. This means he is the supreme court for my decisions, not my culture. He's the supreme court for how I see right and wrong, not my culture, not my flesh, not my desires. He's the supreme court on all issues, not my feelings. He is Lord of all. This, this is hard for us Americans who like to be pretty independent. But part of the call is for us to realize that we are sinners. We've done things our own way and it has separated us from God, and we come and surrender our limited wisdom to his eternal wisdom. Jesus, is being, Jesus being Lord is hard in a secular society with shifting values. Jesus being Lord is difficult with a body that has a sin nature, a do-it-your-own-way nature, that it that that body wants to respond to. And Jesus leaves us struggling on this battlefield of our personal desires and us hearing this call to make him Lord. Guys, men in this room, I, I want to challenge you. On June 15th, uh, we move forward this month to June 15th, 8 o'clock at Jefferson Street. We're going to be introducing a new ministry, a new thing that we're going to be doing around here aimed at helping men have victory in this one very specific area in our personal desires, in our personal wants, and understand how to see the world that we live in that is so charged with immorality that it would impact all of us to help us learn how, do we think, how should we think and feel and act as Christians. And so, guys, I want to I challenge you to, to get up that morning. So that's the only morning I get to sleep in. Well, you know, take a nap in the afternoon that day. Get up a little early. Come join us at 8 o'clock. Sign up for Forge that day. We're going to be introducing this ministry that's really important for you to hear about it. Jesus as Lord has us marching against the flow of secular wisdom. And we need to learn how to do that. The enemy wants to impact how we think and how we act and how we feel. The aim of discipleship, the aim of what we're doing on Wednesday nights, the aim of what we're doing in so many of our departments is us being a student of Jesus' teaching, learning how to obey, learning how to think and act and feel by the divine nature. 
putting Jesus as Lord over our life and taking everything out. And at the core of any healthy church, there has to be this people who understand that, who in every conversation and every response are looking at that issue and saying, are we submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus? Now, this is hard, but I'm going to tell you, it gets easier as you experience the results of the promises. The more you experience the results of the promises, the more assurance you get in your spirit, this is the right way to live. It also gets easier as you become a committed part of a body of believers where you get around other believers who are walking the same walk that you are and who will encourage you in that walk where you're not just show up at church where you get to know people. This is why we have C2 groups. This is why we call you to get involved, you know, a couple of times a month in small groups where you build relationships, get to know others, and where the, sharp, the iron that sharpens our people sharpening people happens that gives us the strength and the courage to go against our flesh and at times against our society and our culture to trust Jesus as Lord. Think of our submission to his lordship as a tug of war. We, we tug against secular wisdom and we're outnumbered, outweighed, but we are not outpowered. We are not outpowered. Though society and culture of the day will continually try to pull us to think and feel and act as a godless people, as a people ignoring the lordship of Jesus Christ. Our flesh will pull us that way, but God has promised to be with us. Listen to the verse we read last week. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized? If you haven't been baptized since you were born again, you need to get one of those connection cards today and put your name on it and put baptism on it. You need to get baptized since you've been born again. Baptized, there's a spiritual act that happens in that moment. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And now here's the promise. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. No matter how much we're outweighed or outnumbered by society, if we're doing what God would tell us to do, we've got the strength of God on our side. Jesus is with us, but the core of the church must stand on the lordship of Jesus. We do this by obeying him, by accepting his word as final over all things, over all of my does. This is so huge today because our culture is a secular culture that we live in who will push us to think and see as a, as a people without God. We've got to be solid in his word. We've got to be committed to his truth. We've got to understand that he is the final say and that no matter how much society tries to justify its points of view with its wisdom. Its wisdom is found, is, is built on sand and not on the solid rock of the Word of God. So the promises of God are where we act. Faith in Jesus as Lord is where we stand. 
and unity of faith that Jesus is Savior is where we walk in faith. All people will someday see God in all of his glory. And all people will fall on their knees and confess that he is Lord. Not everyone will fall on their knees and know him as Savior. Today is the day we get to find him as Savior. Romans 10, 8 says, but what, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, make this statement, I make this stand, Jesus is Lord, I make this public proclamation, Jesus is my Lord, I make this public uh, display that Jesus is my Lord with everything in me. Jesus is my Lord. Nothing else is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Friends, this is, this is why we pray for those who don't know Jesus. We, we pray for them that God will reveal himself to their hearts that he will convict them like he did us in our spirit. Do you remember that day? Many of you were adults in that day. And that day you walked into a place where you met with somebody and you walked in there in the darkness of this world, not believing in Christ, and God by his spirit touched your heart and revelation of who Jesus was sprung into your being and all of a sudden you're going, wait a second, I was in darkness just a minute ago. I need Jesus as my Savior today. It's a transformational work. It is the heart that must be convinced, not the mind. It is the heart that must have revelation that we need Jesus as Lord. It is the heart that must be convicted of our sin nature and of our sin actions so that we will surrender to Jesus as our Savior and trust him that recognizes that we need him to be our Savior. We cannot save ourselves. When the light of Jesus being Savior comes into our hearts, the light of Jesus being Lord enlightens our mind. In 1 John it says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. This is John talking about Jesus. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Everyone who comes to Jesus, the Spirit of God has beckoned them. They either reject that beckoning of the Spirit of God, they either turn from it and run from it, or they surrender their heart to it and become children of God. Faith in Jesus being Savior. Friends, that's where we are born. And hear me. Jesus says we must be born again. 
That spiritual truth must run in our spirits. Let's stand together today and let's pray. How about you, friend? Church, I, I hope today, those of us who are people of faith, I hope today we'll come back and say, okay, I've got to look at this. If I'm struggling someplace, if I'm wrestling someplace, am I just in the middle of a storm where I'm waiting for the promises to unfold and I, can, I just need to hold on? Or are there conditions to the promise that I need to get straightened out in my life? Do, do, am I living this life that says, Jesus, you're Lord. What your word says is true. Doesn't matter what society says. Doesn't matter what culture says. It's sinking sand out there. I'm going to trust your word. If your word says it's right, it's right. If your word says it's wrong, it's wrong. You are Lord. I'm going to trust your word. And have I really received Christ, Jesus, as my Savior? Every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. Find these next few moments as we uh, take these next steps. We're going to receive communion together, Lord, with this proclamation that we believe that you're Lord and you're our Savior. And I pray that as we do that, Father, we would be able to do that with honesty and sincerity and that we would have examined our lives and Father, recognize whether we've made you Lord or not. Father, there's some here today that need to take a step of faith and put their trust in Jesus to be their Savior. They're not living for him right now. They've not surrendered to him right now. They've not acknowledged him as Lord by living outside of his truth, and they've not put their faith in him to be their Savior. They're, they're just hoping that they're good enough to make it to heaven, but none of us is good enough. So I pray you'd speak to us today. Speak to every heart in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second, please. I want to appeal to you that today, if, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, put your belief in him to be your Savior. You say, Pastor, I want to do that today. I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior today. I want to become a follower of Christ today. We just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to ask Christ into my life today. God bless you. I see that hand. Let the Spirit of God speak to us. Father, you know the condition of every heart. And we celebrate today. We rejoice today that, Father, we find our hope in you and we find a sure foundation for our life. We find corrective actions in your word that will give us new wisdom. And we thank you for it. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. Now I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen.